Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to start today, and um, I want to talk about a specific portion of Scripture. And I'm really excited to share this. This might be a little bit teachy this morning, but I'm really excited to share and break some stuff down. How many know I like to break stuff down? How many know that the original language, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, these languages are so beautiful, and sometimes it's really hard to capture in English what's being said? And unfortunately, how many know this, that just one word change in a sentence can change the entire context of the sentence? And so that's really what we're looking at today. So I noticed this recently when I've been speaking. I've referred quite often to the parable in John chapter 15 where Jesus calls himself the vine and he calls us the, does anyone know? The branches. I'm glad you're back, Bruce. He can help me teach today. But he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And, you know, I just keep coming back to this. And I actually, I went back in my notes. I've got about, I don't know, 12 years worth of notes. It's fun to go way back and go, what did I used to believe? Right? That's always fun. But I'm inspired by that. Because what it means is that I'm growing. It means that I'm not just stuck in a box of theology, that I'm growing. I'm, I'm moving with spirit, I believe. I, I always endeavor to do that. Uh, but as I look back, I'm like, it's been like four or five years since we've really broken this parable down. And so I thought, let's do that this morning. The parable of the vine and the branches. You know, there's something to be said about connection when it comes to kingdom relationships with both God and man. So today's title is this, Can You See Your Connection? Say that with me. Can you see your connection? Now, there's a reason that sometimes when I'm entitling messages that I make them questions. And I often do this because I like this, this where we can actually ask ourselves questions. How many know it's good to question yourself? Why is that? Because we have to have an answer. Now, I know there's a such thing as rhetorical questions. But when we ask questions, especially in titles like this, I want us to ask the question and then think about what does it answer. Because a lot of times, it's not just that we answer the question. If you have ever, ever answered questions like this out loud, it calls attention to your, our belief systems, what we believe. So have you ever said something, and then when you said it out loud, loud thought, ooh, that doesn't sound right? It, there's something about that, isn't there? You, like, you can think something internally in your mind, but sometimes when you say it out loud, you're like, you know, that didn't quite sound the way that I was thinking it would when it was in my head. And so I think it's important that we ask ourselves questions. And the question today is, can you see your connection? And so today I want to read this parable. I want to read this story out of two different versions of Scripture. And the reason I want to do this is because the first version is probably, it's going to be out of the New American Standard Version, which I don't mind. But when we read it, it may sound really familiar to many of you who have heard this story before. So I want to do that first. And then secondly, I'll read out of a, another translation called the Mirror Bible, which I believe does a better job in many cases of translating from the original language as direct as it can into the English. And so here's Jesus. He's telling this story. Let's start in John chapter 15. In verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Some translations even say he cuts off. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, look at this, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. By what? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I love verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that, say so that, look at this, my joy may be in you, come on, say I receive it, and that your joy may be made what? Full. Awesome. Now, I'm going to get right to it. Lots of scripture here, and then we're going to break this down. I want to read this again out of the mirror translation. Look at this. I am the authentic vine. In other words, I'm the real deal. My father is the farmer, right? Or vine dresser. Look at this. Every offshoot in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up from the ground and fastens it to the stake, and every fruit-bearing part he dresses in order to what? Maximize its yield. Your personal pruning and dressing already happened in our conversation. The word made flesh in my person and language is how the Father prepares and sets you up for fruit bearing. Our seamless union, you and me, and I and you, is pictured in the vine. The shoot cannot bear fruit outside of this union. In its abiding, in the vine, fruit happens what? Naturally as with your abiding in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. It is the one who understands this mutual union that naturally bears much fruit, which is impossible to happen apart from me. Every area of human life that does not continue to be entwined in this place of seamlessness in me was already cast forth where it has withered away and has gathered to be burned as firewood. My words find voice in you. With your abiding in me and my words abiding in you, a conversation is inspired. Look at this. Where you will request that which arises in your desire from our union, and it shall come to pass for you. These union-inspired desires bear the very fruit that endorses the Father's glory. This is where true discipleship is born. The love of the Father for me is my love for you. Abide in my love for you. By treasuring the prophetic conclusion of my life, you will remain constantly engulfed in my love, even as I treasure the completeness of my Father's prophetic purpose and abide in his love embrace. Isn't that beautiful? That's like poetry. Look at this, verse 11. I have spoken these things unto you so that my joy will continuously infuse you. You don't have to invent your own if you can tap into mine. 
This is the ultimate bliss. Isn't that beautiful? A lot of words there, Pastor. I know. We're going to begin to break this down. I want to lose you. But, but there's something in here, and I believe what's going to happen this morning is for some of us, maybe we've never heard this story, this parable that Jesus tells in this way. For others of us, maybe it reminds us of how good God is and how important this connection is. Because again, we'll ask the question, can you see your connection? Now, those of you who know me in my family, you know that we love movies. I mean, movies are like my thing. I'm a small-time uh, filmmaker myself. Uh, I do weddings and corporate stuff, but I also just love to... I mean, we used to, for years, I would take a camera. My wife put the camera down, but on our family vacations, I would do these just... If it was a week or 10 days or whatever, two weeks, I would record, 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 and then i create these movies of, like, music and rhythm and flow and transitions and speed ramps. And people are like, this is your family videos? Just always had a passion for it. But I love storytelling. I love to see things come alive on film. And so we just love to watch movies. Now, another thing that we really like, and, and back in the DVD days, anyone remember DVDs? Anyone here? Some people are like, what is that? Blu-rays? Am I getting closer? Anyone know what a Blu-ray is? You know, when we'd have DVDs, how many remember that they would have menus and there would be the extras? And the thing that we always look for, what's the first thing, baby, we would always look for in extras? We'd click it and what would we look for? Bloopers, gag reel. Oh, man, they were so cool. And did you notice how eventually they kind of did away with them? Even when Blu-rays came out, you get extras. You're like, yeah, I don't want to see the 10-minute, you know, mini behind-the-scenes documentary. I want to see people bloopering and messing up. But more recently, I've noticed that even with digital downloads now, when you click those extras, it's like they've started to come back. You get the bloopers. You get the gag reels. I would love this portion of it, especially after I watch the movie, because... You know, there's certain actresses and actors that I watch, and they're so good at their craft that they draw you in, don't they? In fact, there's, there's actors or actresses that I actually, I don't know them, but, but I, I seem to like who they are as a person when you see them in interviews and stuff. But sometimes they own the role so well that you're like, man, I can't stand this person right now, and you forget who it is. Most recently, that was uh, Tom Hanks in the Elvis movie. Anyone see Elvis, the new movie? It was so good. But I literally, a few times I had to pinch myself and go, wait, wait, that's Tom Hanks, isn't it? Like, they did a great job with makeup, but just the way that he portrayed looked nothing like the Tom Hanks I've heard in interviews. But see, it's great when you see an actor, actress, when they really own their craft, when they've, when they've honed the craft, they've learned what it is to become a character. And so you watch that. But then in the bloopers, it's cool because you can even see this really serious scene, and all of a sudden they break character. And it's just so funny to watch. You know, it's important as we're, as we're watching that, realize at the point, it's important to know your lines, right? But what I love about it is I realize, oh, these people are human just like me. They make mistakes. They mess up. They're great at their craft, but they mess up. I mean, there's plenty of times where, you know, I've toured for years and played in bands. And, man, sometimes, like, I remember this one time I, I told this story. We were playing this this uh, it was Bayfront Blues Fest. Pete would remember this. And there was like 20,000 people in the crowd. It was just an amazing time. But it was really hard to hear on stage. And we were in this one song that's so fast-paced. I lost where I was. I was gone. I just started riding the A string. Don't know why. Doesn't even make sense. 
the, the, the guitar player turns around and he's yelling like, G, C. He might as well have been saying Z because I didn't know where we were. You know, it was all over the place. But I say that because we all mess up. We're real people who make real mistakes. But it's important in this film industry to know your lines. It's important to know your role as an actor or an actress. And I think this is important to remember when reading John 15 and Jesus' story, analogy, parable, whatever you want to call it, of the vine and the branches, because we've got to know our proper place. We could say this, we have to know who we are in the parable. You follow me? If you don't know who you are in the parable, you can get some crazy ideas of what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. But Jesus says this, we are the branches. Look at the branch next to you and say, you're a branch. And say this, I'm not your branch manager. That just came to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so funny. See, it's important to understand these different roles in life as a believer. Because if not, we try to be fruit producers. Listen to me. We try to be fruit producers. We try to be fruit creators. And eventually, we try to be fruit inspectors. Not just of ourselves, but of others. Now, I get it. Jesus said, you will know them by your fruit. But he didn't say, you will judge them by their fruit. Ooh, that's interesting to think about. And so we're going to see here how we can be known by our fruit. So let's talk about this idea of connection. What does a scripture say when it says, or what does it mean, I should say, when it, when it says that we're united with Christ, that we should abide in him? I'll say it another time. Can you see your connection? So let's start to break this down. Verse 1, Jesus said, I am the authentic vine. Say authentic. My father is the what? The farmer, or we could say the vine dresser. Now, I want us to keep in mind that Jesus is speaking to first century Jews. And this vine reference that Jesus uses would resonate with them. You know, a lot of times when, when Jesus tells these stories and these parables, I try to really get into, again, this is probably my mind with movies and story. I try to think about where was Jesus when he spoke these words? Was he maybe near a vineyard? Was there a vineyard right next to them? I believe that Jesus would use these different things around him to bring these ideas to life. And so this idea would resonate with them. They would understand this idea of grapevine. In fact, um, part of the Maccabean coinage, uh, Israel was represented as the vine on the coin itself. And what I picture Jesus here saying, because they'd be familiar with what the prophets would say, like Hosea. Hosea said that Israel was the empty vine. But I believe Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm the authentic vine. In other words, I'm the genuine messianic vine. So as a hearer of this, you start to pick up on this language. The prophets have talked about vines. It's on your coinage. You see it all around. You understand how a vineyard works. You understand, at least to some capacity, what a vine dresser does. You understand the vine and the branches and what each one does. So I want us to note the two, role, the two roles here that Jesus lists. His role and the Father's role. Jesus says, my role is this. I'm the vine. I'm the true vine. I'm the authentic vine. And the father is the, say it with me, the farmer, the vine dresser. He is the authentic vine. I love here that Jesus doesn't just say, 
I mean, in the original language, he doesn't go, yeah, I'm just a vine. He doesn't say a vine. He says the authentic vine. In other words, let me say it like this. Picture Jesus saying, I'm the vine and you are not. That's not your role. I'm the vine, you are not. Oh, and by the way, God is the vine dresser. Heavenly Father is the farmer. What does the farmer do? It's the person who prunes, who trains, who cultivates the vines. We get this so far? Verse 2. He says, every offshoot in me that does not bear fruit, listen to this next statement, what does the vine dresser do? He lifts up from the ground and fastens it to the stake, and every fruit-bearing part he dresses in order to what? Maximize its yield. Now, I want us to see something here. Because the work of the vine dresser, the goal, I should even say, of the vine dresser isn't to get rid of branches. It's to get them to maximize the yield. Do you follow me? Any good vine dresser, this is what they do. Now, why I read earlier the version we're used to, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he cuts off. We've heard this before. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. I've preached messages. I've heard messages where I, I preach verse 2 harder than anything else. If you're not producing fruit, he'll cut you off. You better start producing fruit. Now, as we get further in this, you're going to see how crazy that idea is, how ludicrous it is to demand that people produce fruit, okay? But the real way to say this, really, the, the correct way is to lift up. There's two, two statements here that I want us to note. The first one is he takes away. The second one is he prunes. I want us to look at the original language here to better understand what's being said. So, he takes away. This word in the Greek is the word idro. Idro, it's A-I-R-O. And it means lift up, take up, or bear. Now, in, in some forms, it can mean to take away, but it also means lift up, take up, or bear. Now, we need to just do a little crash course on vine dressing. What does a farmer do? Now, branches that weren't producing were normally in this state because they were in the dirt on the ground. And so what a good vine dresser would do as they were going through, I mean, they think about this. It wasn't just like someone one day just said, hey, you know what, I'm going to grow some grapes because that would be really good. No, this was their livelihood. You understand that the, the fruit, the amount of fruit production, production and the quality of the fruit reflected in their finances. And so the vine dresser was not looking for ways to cut branches off. The vine dresser was looking for ways to get branches to produce or allow them, I should say, to produce. So as he's going through, he would see, oh, this isn't producing. Oh, my gosh, it's, it's in the dirt. It's in the soil. I'm going to lift it up. I'm going to tie it off to another branch or a trellis. Why? So it can be exposed to sunlight and nutrients. I want to make sure it gets water. I'm going to dress it. That word dress, the prune, is to clean Right? So he takes away, if you're looking at vine dressing and, 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 and how it worked, lift up seems to make more sense regarding the practices of vine dressing. They're lifting up. So if you're not producing fruit, what does Heavenly Father do? He lifts you up. He helps you. He cleans you. Look at this. 
if you go into he prunes, it does mean the prune, but it also means it's the word cathedral, and it means to cleanse. So I lift you up. I put you in a better place. I cleanse you, which it helps actually bring verse 3 in the context when he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In the mirror, it says, your personal pruning and dressing already happened in our conversation. What is God saying about you? The word made flesh in my person and in my language is how the Father prepares, look at this, and sets you up for fruit bearing. Look at the person next to you and say, it's a setup. Now, a lot of times, you know, that's a negative thing, right? But think about this. We've been given all things for life and godliness. I mean, this is what blows my mind. Even the faith that I have, the trust has been given as a gift. It's not even my faith. It's the faith of God. But yet we're trying to produce fruit, have bigger, greater faith, but it's all a gift. It's been given. All we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is, what did Jesus say? Rest in it. I think it's interesting that we're told in Scripture that we must labor to find our rest. Because sometimes it's work to rest in what God said about us. So he does the lifting. He does the cleansing. What is the remedy for unfruitful branches? Two words, God is. See, years ago I would read this and go, oh, man, my fruit production's down. And I start to come up with a plan and a list of what I got to do. And the answer is, it's what God does. God is the vine dresser. God does the lifting up. God does the cleansing. That just leads me to say, wow, thank you, Heavenly Father. You're so good. Are you catching this? This sometimes can go against the grain of what you've heard. I'm trying to do my best to break down the original language so we can get a better feel. Jesus didn't just one day say, I'm going to tell a story about, and he had the disciples, like they had a hat with different, you know, subjects and ideas, and he just would reach in and go, oh, today's vine dressing. Oh, today's corn. No, 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 no. There was a specific reason that Jesus said this. The vineyard idea was something they would understand. This vine idea was something that would resonate with them. And so he's saying that it's Heavenly Father's job to lift you up and to cleanse you. So many times in religion, we're told basically through scripture and verse that's manipulated and pulled out of context that you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You need to have more faith. You need to try harder. You need to prove yourself. I'm telling you, as we get closer here, I'm going to destroy some of those ideas. At least, let me say this, Jesus is going to destroy some of those ideas. Verse 5, here it is. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Who is Jesus? The vine. Who are we? The branches. Now, look at this next line. This is beautiful. It is the one. Say, I want to be the one. It is the one who understands this mutual union that naturally bears much fruit, which is impossible to happen apart from me. We see two points made here. Number one, proper roles. What's Jesus' role? The vine. 
What's our role? The branches. Number two, listen to this. This is big. Our fruit bearing comes by understanding our mutual union in Christ. Like, well, wait a minute, Pat. Where's the work, though? Because you know what? Most of us, we have a desire to bear fruit. What branch wouldn't? I mean, that's what we do. Like, it's, it's in our DNA. We, we want to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I mean, who, who wouldn't? Especially that last one, man. I know why self-control is last. Come on. Our desire is to produce fruit. But so many times we try to produce fruit with good intentions. And what do I call it? Frankenfruit. It's our own version of fruit. Our fruit bearing comes according to Jesus. I'm going to blame this all on Jesus. Jesus said this, man, okay? This is it's his fault. Our fruit bearing comes by understanding our mutual union in Christ. I think some of us need to literally hear the voice of Jesus saying, stop freaking out about the fruit, Frederick. Stop freaking out about the fruit. Why, Jesus? Because your fruit bearing is my thing. Someone needed to hear that this morning. Your fruit bearing is my thing, is what Jesus says. And we only bear fruit by abiding. What? Okay, pastor, that's great. What, what does abide mean? It simply means to dwell or to stay put. Just stay where you are. We're talking about spiritual geography here. It's a state of being, not doing. It's a state of being. In fact, Look at the definition that the Apostle John gives us in 1 John 4, 15. He says, for anyone, say anyone, for anyone to see and to say. If you see something and you say something, that means you understand it, or you're beginning to at least understand it, right? For anyone to see and to say that Jesus is the Son of God is to awaken, say awaken, to the awareness, say awareness, that we are continuously, seamlessly joined in oneness. Man, that should make someone happy this morning. For so long, I thought, as a believer, you know, my job was to do a list. When actuality, Jesus says, your job is to abide. It doesn't mean that there's nothing to do. But the ability and even the fruit-bearing don't come from my own willpower and my strength. It comes from God producing the fruit in me. Do you see this? I often use the example of going to the apple orchard. We have apple orchards everywhere. I mean, how many, babe, are just like in Genesee County alone? There's a lot, and we visit a lot of them. And, you know, you do the hayride. How many love the hayrides? There's nothing like being in a, on hay bales, you know, itchy hay bales, sitting there with your kids and, and, you know, being pulled by a tractor that just got fumes blowing back. Isn't that wonderful? It just reminds me of like, oh, this is autumn. This is wonderful. I'm being a little facetious. My wife's like, shut up. The kids love it. Just do it. But I, there's nothing like fresh apples. I'm just, I'm telling you right now, it'll almost make you, as my dad would say, speak in tongues and slap your sister. A good apple, right? A good crunch, a good juiciness. Even when you walk sometimes in the back where they're making the cider, just the smell is absolutely amazing. But, you know, in all our time of going through an apple orchard, I usually tell people, you know, if you were to go into an apple orchard late at night, no one's around, the wind's died down, 
you know, there's a bright moon. It's just this wonderful smell of fresh apples. And you were just to lay there in the midst of these apple trees and just be quiet. You'd probably never hear. That's not how fruit's produced. In other words, you never hear the tree and the branch striving if I can just somehow get an apple to produce. Why? It happens naturally. Now, if you have done that and you are hearing that, run. That's just some weird sci-fi stuff right there. But I want us to see that abiding is simply being in Christ. It's, it's believing in your status. It's agreeing with God. It's saying what God says about you. Abiding, let me say this, is your state of being, not your state of doing. Listen, the doing, the good works that we do, those, those, come, those come through. But I believe that is something that comes from the, the fruit that is produced by God in your life. It doesn't mean we have nothing to do. But sometimes we get things backward. Sometimes maybe we need to take a season and not try to do because our identity has been mixed up with what we do. It's interesting, like, sometimes people will ask you, oh, yeah, so, so you know, who are you? You know, what, what are you about? And the first thing we go to is our job because we've done the job for so long. Or maybe we feel... That's the only place that we matter. And so now our whole identity, our whole personality revolves around what we do. And unfortunately, in the kingdom, or I would even say fortunately on the other side, it's not what you do that makes you who you are. It's just simply who you are because you're God's. You follow me? It's such a, it's a weird paradigm, isn't it, to shift to? Because so many times in religious situations, we're told you need to do, do, do. Instead of just BBB. BB. You need to BB. Abiding is simply being in Christ. We're in Christ. That's our state of being. And think about this we have a lifetime to experience all there is. Man, I used to think about, remember Pete and I, Pete's one of the best buds in the world. He, he plays drums here. We, we toured in band together and stuff, but we've known each other. I've known him since he was 15. And the knowing, awesome 15-year-old kid, I loved him so much. We joke about it all the time. He's like, dude, you can't even handle me, but now we're best friends. But, you know, we would, we would talk about these ideas of what should we do for God? How should we do this? And we thought of all these ideas with great intentions. We had all these great intentions of how we would do stuff until we finally learned that it's not something we're in a hurry to do. It's something that, that Jesus wants to take time. Have you ever thought about this, that Jesus isn't in a hurry to get you cleaned up and bearing fruit? That's hard to think about because sometimes we're like, well, you know, time's wearing thin. We, we got to just get going. We got, whoa, 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 slow down for a minute. Jesus uses this parable for a reason. You know that most grapevines don't even produce fruit until their third season? Now, in wine lingo, they call it each season a leaf. So it's three leaves until fruit production. And get this, some wineries, they won't even use the harvest unless it's at least 10 years or older for their finest wines. That takes patience, doesn't it? Can you imagine saying, we're going to start a vineyard? 
wow, when are you guys going to have your first bottle of awesome wine? 15 years. Stay at the door. Get ready. But what this says to me is that Jesus is saying, listen, we're not in a hurry. Your fruit, man, it's going to take time. It's going to be perfected in time. We could say mature in time. You're not going to get it all right. You know, the day after you say, Jesus, I love you. I want to follow you. It's going to take time. I love that Jesus uses the analogy of the grapevine. And so you think, well, where all those grapes go? Well, sometimes they'll, you know, third, sixth, eighth, tenth year, they'll produce a cheaper wine. Or sometimes they just sell it to other wineries who make cheaper wines. But if you want a good sophisticated wine, you're talking 10, 15, 20 years before they even take off that vine and use it. Isn't that amazing? And so what happens is I believe that fruit production is hindered when we forget that our fruit comes from the Lord. We forget that we abide in him. That's our state of being. Think of any tree or vine. The fruit is already contained in the DNA of the tree. It's only a matter of time before it bears fruit on the branch. Why? It's inevitable. That's what branches do. Branches produce fruit. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I want to address this for a second because I know early in my walk, I would read stuff like this, and I would just be freaking out like, man, if I don't start producing They're going to yank me off the vine, and I'm going to be burning like firewood. Anyone ever, like, read this stuff? Or maybe don't read it because you're like, it's too much to take in? But here we go again with language. The word anyone here is the word tis. Say tis. Now, the word tis is an eclectic, let me say this again, an eclectic indefinite pronoun. Looked it up later. But basically, its meaning can be man, but it also means some, any, something, anything, certain thing, or any person or object. So instead of anyone or any man, I believe using the word tis here as referring to everything, meaning every area of your life, fits much better. Think about verse 2. The dressing or the pruning that the vine dresser does is not in judgment, it's in order to maximize the yield. So why would the vine dresser suddenly change his thought pattern? Yeah, it's all about that. But man, I'm telling you what, I'm just, if you're not abiding in me, I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to burn you. Listen, God sees mankind fully associated, included, and represented in the incarnation. He called things that were not as though they were. That's called faith. Why? Because God knows they are. So it's not that God is cutting you off and burning you. He's cutting off those thought patterns, those things that are holding you back. Look at this. It's better translated here. Look at this. Every area of human life that does not continue to be entwined in this place of seamlessness in me was already cast forth where it has withered away and is gathered to be burned as firewood. Think about this, all the false things that we live by. God will throw into the fire of his love and burn away. He's not going to burn you. He's going to burn the false ideas of who you thought you were. Does that make sense? 
Because otherwise you will not bear fruit. You will go outside of the vine and try to bear fruit and produce and prove yourself. And God is saying, no, no, no. When you're in the dirt, I'm the one that lifts you up. I'm the one that exposes you to the sunlight and the nutrients. I'm the one who prunes and cleanses you. And if there's anything in you, in that false self idea, I'm going to pull that out and I'm going to burn it away as firewood or chaff. Why? Because it's not helping you. The vine dresser's goal is always to maximize the yield. Because you're like, why, why would God do that? Because he's always about maximizing your yield, seeing you become the authentic version of your true self. We go all the way back to the creation story. It's the same deal. Listen, Adam and Eve in the story, they, they weren't... They didn't have ulterior motives. They weren't trying to, like, they didn't sit around and have this devious plan, you know, well, we're going to get God. That wasn't their plan. They were deceived into thinking that they weren't like God. And so they believed the lie. And, And that's really the story of humanity. We believe the lie. We believe in this false version of ourselves. And here Jesus is saying, listen, you are the branch. I am the vine. Heavenly Father is the vine dresser. If you just... Abide in us, you will produce fruit. In fact, I will be the one to lift you up. I will be the one to cleanse you. I will be the one to even produce the fruit in you. Isn't that beautiful? Look at verse 8. These union-inspired desires bear the very fruit that endorses the Father's glory. This is where true discipleship is born. Now, do you notice this, this when first time I saw this, it just like, woo, it was amazing. Do you notice that we aren't the ones who prove our discipleship? Oh, man. I don't know if I'm messing. Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciple by your love for one another. How many know love is fruit? It's bearing fruit of love. It doesn't come from you. It's not you proving It says right here, listen, who bears the fruit? We do, but who produces it in us? The Father. So if the Father is the one producing the fruit, and it's the fruit that proves we're disciples, guess who proves our discipleship? The Father. Isn't that awesome? I don't know. At least it is for me. I mean, it takes the weight off. I know some people are like, well, what, what do we do? Well, what are we going to Well, you do exactly what you're built to do. Be who you are. This doesn't take away any onus from you. You know, sometimes people, when they hear this idea of how good God is and how much he loves and how, how big his grace is, they think that, I mean, well, I just lay around and do nothing. God just does it all. No, no. Branches still produce, but it's not of your own strength and power. So allow God to work that through you. Allow the fruit, and I say this all the time, fruit is meant to be enjoyed. When I pick those fresh apples, I'm telling you what, I enjoy it. When we go out strawberry picking, there is nothing like strawberries fresh from the vine. Come on, somebody. It is amazing. And I have to do everything, you know, to be a Christian and not eat them as we're picking them because then I'm stealing but they smell so good. Like then you put them in the car and then you get in the car. You're like, oh my gosh, it's like strawberry jam heaven in my car right now. See, fruit's meant to be enjoyed. But the branch doesn't enjoy the fruit. 
others enjoy the fruit from the branch. Isn't that awesome? So we're not just producing fruit for ourselves. We're producing fruit for others. I'm going to read this again. These union-inspired desires bear the very fruit that endorses the Father's glory. This is where true discipleship is born. It's God who proves this by bearing fruit in us. This glorifies him. Um, This is just so wild to me. God is like, hey, hey, listen, sit back, relax, rest in me. I'm going to produce fruit, and that fruit is going to show others that you belong to me. I think that's awesome. We are not called to produce fruit. I want you to hear this. We are not called to produce fruit. We're called to bear fruit. There's a big difference. God produces, the vine produces, you bear, right? We bring it forth. He bears the fruit in us. It proves that we are his followers, and then we just get to say a big, fat, thank you. God, you're amazing. You've given me everything for life and godliness, even the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control. It's from you. You produce this in my life. Isn't that beautiful? And so in conclusion, I want us to see this morning that God's desire, his true desire, is to see you live to your full potential. No lies, no false self, but the true, authentic you. And let me say this, it's all by his doing. It's not something you produce, it's something you bear, your fruit bearing, the proof that you're a disciple, it's all God's doing. I think that's beautiful. What, what a different way to live. Why, God, why would you do this in my life? Because he loves us and we're in union with him. We are his. We're connected to God. Now that's something to be excited about. Amen? I really want us to see this morning that It's not up to us to produce the fruit. It's not up to us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to try to work harder and do more. For some of us, it's just learning how to rest. It's learning how to be who God's called us to be. Amen? Will you stand with me? Look at the person next to you and say, can you see your connection? You know, the apostles use this language quite often about awakening, about perceiving, about seeing. Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. He's not talking about you won't go to heaven unless you pray a prayer. We misunderstand how the Jews thought. The word born again is is basically the same as repentance. It's changing your mind. And what what he's saying is, because, listen, I just want to clear this up. This is Jesus talking, not me. Jesus showed up to planet Earth, and before a cross, a burial, and resurrection, he looked at people, and he said, the kingdom of God is within you. This is what Jesus said. Why is that? Because we're made in his image and likeness. But this is why we have this awakening language, this this seeing, this perceiving. You can't see the kingdom of God that's within you unless you change your mind. Because Israel, just like every other society, and even today, religion has done this to us again. We make this about a list of things to do. 
what we have to do to love God or prove ourselves to God. Listen, the proven's done by God, producing fruit within us. And what do we do? We bear the fruit. And so sometimes it's so easy to get this mixed up. And so I just, I pray this morning that even as you go through the week, as you think about this parable and what Jesus said, I want you to see something here. If, if you look, even take time and go online and just look at pictures of grapevines. I was doing this this morning. There's just so many pictures. You can see when they're young and they're smaller. And then some of these are actually thick. I mean, the vines are like thick, woody vines. But the one thing that's interesting about, you have the vine, which is the source, right, of, of the nutrients in life, and you have the branch. But you look as hard as you can at any picture, and you can't see where the vine ends and the branch begins. Oh, it's like this seamless union. I think Jesus was up to something. How about you? And so as you go through this week, if you have a bad day, if you say the wrong thing, if you cuss the person out in front of you because they cut you off in traffic, if you if you treat your spouse or your kids in a wrong way, listen, it's okay to say, hey, I'm sorry, that was wrong. That was wrong of me. But know this, your seamless union has not changed for a lot of us, we need to allow Holy Spirit to take away those areas that are false, that aren't true, that are lies, and burn those things up so we can see the true selves. We can see our true selves for who we are. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace that's so sufficient. It never runs out. Your love is everlasting. And we thank you again, Jesus, for the promise that you'll never leave us. You'll never abandon us. We learned last week that you will never leave us as orphans. We have a family. We belong. We're in the vine. You, Jesus. And so no matter what happens, Holy Spirit, Help the eyes of our understanding begin to see, to perceive, to awaken to the fact that this is true, that you're reminding us that we are seamless in seamless union with you. Nothing can tear us out or pull us out of your hand, Heavenly Father. And I know that our desire is to bear fruit because that's what branches do. And so we're open. We're, we're honest with you, Holy Spirit. If there's areas in our life that don't line up, we ask you to take those areas, enlighten us that, hey, this isn't you, and Jesus, bring healing to those areas of our life. But we're open to bear fruit. And in the end, we just get to say, thank you. Say that, thank you, Jesus, for bearing fruit in me. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. You received that this morning? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.